So we're we're on part four, going on the fourth hour of responding to questions. Uh, some of that's partly my fault. I could have answered these in really short form and squeezed it all into an hour, more most likely. But I just want to take the chance to to ramble. I guess um, I don't get to monologue that much these days. Apparently, I miss it. So um, this is a follow-up question to one I had before uh, from the Drum Geek. He also asked about Frosted Mini Wheats. He asked about other cereals. I mean, if it's a breakfast cereal like for kids that's loaded with sugar, uh, it's going to be fine. Uh, I, I was I never really was that uh, discerning in my my breakfast cereal choice when I wanted cereal for a carb nine or a carb backload, uh, but I I did have a penchant for fruity pebbles. I don't know why. Maybe it holds some sort of nostalgia for me. Um, but yeah, as long as it's some kind of sugary kid cereal, it's going to be fine. doesn't matter if it's wheat-based, corn-based, rice-based. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter too terribly much. I guess oat-based. There was some cereal that was shaped like O's. I can't remember what it was called, but I remember it being pretty good, even though it had a lot of grainy stuff in it. Let's see, what else? Uh, this is from Gigi. Uh, she's, she says, in the case of seven plus months spent in a rather sizable caloric deficit, uh, time frame plus exact pounds lost would, of course, go into the system, where a reverse diet has been recommended to avoid gaining it all back in no time, would the software have a way of handling that? So... This is, it's always interesting to me that, you know, questions actually come wrapped up with a lot of assumptions, especially when people ask questions about health or diet or, or whatnot. And this one's wrapped up with a lot of assumptions about reverse dieting and that it's a viable idea. In so the idea behind body AI is it it's optimized to always get the most out of whatever it is your goal is get the most out of your body towards that goal so if you've been in a calorie deficit and you've had some some lost weight yes that information would go in the system and actually there's another interface that we were we were working on implementing and then everything went to hell uh, so it's on hold, but it will be up very quickly after body AI is released. It, it won't affect anything for the, f the first bit of usage while you're in the system, but it will help give us information to tweak things even further. And that is that, it, that information is like, what's the biggest you've ever been, uh, both either body fat wise, what's the most, and there's a body shape indicator. And then another one is what's the most muscular you've ever been and a body shape indicator. Um, and, and those are important pieces of information. And I bring those up involved with this reverse dieting trend. A, it's, I mean, if you just think about it, it's a nonsensical term, right? Reverse dieting, what, what does that even mean? 
Like, I have no idea. A, a diet is eating. So reverse dieting would be starving yourself. Uh, I think potentially it means a reverse caloric deficit diet, which is just overfeeding for some reason. And after you've, you've been in a severe caloric deficit, then yeah, you can get a lot, you can get away with eating more. And actually you can, if you eat correctly, you can trigger quite a bit of growth. And these are things that body AI takes into account. Your metabolism might also be slowed down. Uh, this is less so if you're male, more so if you're female. So the system takes that into account as well. But the, the reverse dieting, the idea of, you know, ramping up calories is not really necessarily a good idea. It's something you can do. And one reason you can do it is when you've been in a large caloric deficit for a while, depending on the amount of muscle mass you have, the percentage of muscle mass, you actually have somewhere up to a two-week window where you can overfeed and trigger a significant amount of lean tissue growth without really gaining a lot of body fat. You still potentially will. So there's a ton of things to consider if you're going to try to utilize that effect. In most people, the only thing it will do is allow you to eat more food than normal for a few days, and then you'll be suffering consequences pretty quickly afterwards. And uh, part of that is, again, what I talked about with energy flux through the cells. You're flooding your body with a bunch of calories. You're going to have massive energy fluxes, and the question is, what is that going to do to your mitochondria? And you, you'd have to be very specific on the foods you're going to eat. And if you're very specific on the foods you're going to eat, which would kind of force you into more of the carb carb night type diet where you don't get carbs very often then there's absolutely no point in reverse dieting uh, what you want to do is try to compensate for whatever lean tissue was lost i i would bet over seven months uh, a lot of the lean tissue that was lost a smaller percentage of it will be skeletal muscle mass. Mass It will be mostly splachnic bed and a lot of your storage reserves are gone and then you would have gotten into some muscle mass depending on a lot of parameters that were going on. So body AI would compensate for that and get you back up to regaining your lean tissue without gaining body fat. Uh, so this idea of reverse dieting... I. It's just, it kind of takes advantage of this metabolic quirk that happens when you've been at a deficit for a long time and then your metabolism just goes on overdrive if you suddenly start to overfeed it. Uh, it's, it's based primarily on carbohydrates. So if you've been starving yourself for a long period of time, the effect is specifically triggered this super metabolic charge where you start producing a bunch of body heat it's primarily triggered by eating re-eating a lot of carbohydrates so you can misinterpret this information and come up with a reverse dieting paradigm which is not ideal uh, i'll just say it, it's not ideal it's a misunderstanding of what's going on with the metabolism of the body and depending on how you lost weight 
and your body fat reserves. So keep in mind, just because you lost body fat doesn't mean you lost the cells that store it. You have all those empty cells that are getting ready to be filled back up. And if you start loading the body with calories and you don't have the muscle mass necessary to take advantage of some of these metabolic thermal effects, they're essentially just thermal effects, then your fat cells are going to fill up pretty quickly. You'll feel a little different because what's happened is the fat cells will kind of level out in terms of size. You won't have a series of very large filled fat cells being surrounded by some unfilled ones. What you'll have is you you emptied out the overfilled ones and now you're going to fill them all up equally. So you will actually feel a little difference in your body in this overfeeding process if you include carbohydrates, but you're not doing your body any favors. So, uh, so Body AI is designed to, to, it essentially takes into account how the body actually works. It doesn't take into account anybody's crazy theory or hypothesis or fasting. I mean, you can set it up for fasting if you want. You can do these things, but it really tries to optimize the diet to work with your body towards your goal. And uh, so it, it, <clears throat> it actually makes some of these ideas totally ridiculous. And it's really difficult for me to talk about these things because I'm in a very, very different position than most people, even the most people making dietary recommendations because I've spent so long developing these equations and trying to understand them and understand how they all interrelate. So the way I see the body now, and as far as I know from everybody else's work that I've seen and everybody I've talked to, it's a very, I conceive of the body in a very, very, very different way uh, than anybody else at the moment. So, and without having my book out there, it's hard to explain all of my knee jerk reactions to these like ridiculous sounding diets. Like people are just trying to come up with terms at this point. Uh, reverse dieting, like what? Uh, so these are unfiltered. So reverse dieting, what the fuck? Like that, it just it makes no sense. It's a it's a marketing gimmick, and of course people get on board with it. And people and, and it's the kind of thing that people do for two weeks and be like, oh my gosh, this is great, and then maybe recommend to other people or whatnot, and not take into account what happens to them thereafter. And they might not even realize that some of the worst effects may not accrue for a few more months and they just won't notice because they won't correlate it with how they started back with this reverse dieting. And that's the really big problem with not having a scientific framework about how the body works with metabolism and nutrition and exercise and all of that stuff. Uh, so yeah, body AI will compensate for all of this. You don't need to worry about the asinine terms like reverse dieting and metabolic priority and every new term that comes out uh, most of them are meaningless uh, they're just marketing gimmicks as far as I can tell uh, and I'm more than happy to talk to any quote-unquote experts about these recommendations and why they make them I'm, I'm, I'll never shy away from a debate I you know it's always possible 
they know or have seen things that I haven't seen and I should either be able to explain them or I need to take to take the time to carefully consider why they're seeing what they're seeing and the cause of it um, be, because that's fundamentally what needs to be done here and at the end of the last part I, I talked about free speech and the responsibility of listening you know that's why so many of these people so many of these quote-unquote gurus are jumping ship from their own creation so quickly because they defend them tooth and nail without sitting back and listening to the criticism several people could have been on the same track i was you know there's no reason that they shouldn't have been but the way they approach their work and the way they approach the public unfortunately locks them in mentally to a dogma tied to their idea and we can all understand this we all have things that we are very committed to emotionally maybe and we put a lot of work and effort into them and i've done that um, i'm sure everybody has and and that's one reason and i'm not taking any position on religion whatsoever people can believe exactly as they want to believe in that realm because there is nothing science can say about it um, but that's why religion is very difficult for people to leave or to change to other religions um, because it's it, it's for most people it's cultural and it's a part of their family as well they were brought up in that religion so you have this strong emotional attachment to it and you've given something to it in some way and it's hard to give that up and when you've put some work into even if the work wasn't in researching the diet if you put a, a lot of work into promoting it or to branding yourself in that way it becomes more difficult to move away from it and usually when you will see people move away from it is when their original idea is no longer profitable that of course does not resonate well with me this should be a pretty solid course and that's one thing that makes me pretty happy and this is of course getting totally off topic and kind of ranty but you know my my past work that was based solely on the research and not trying to have a preconceived notion with carbonate and then carb backloading all all of this is aligned all in the final hope not the final iteration but my next iteration brings it all together under a concise scientific framework and that to me should be the goal of everybody who's in this industry who claims to be basing their work off of science because otherwise they're really not in it for anybody but themselves um, and I understand that desire to construct a life that's filled with money or whatever with very little work which is a lot of these these gurus are in that position and it's very short-lived for many of them as well but I, I would really love for even even people who maybe hate me or disagree with me even just conversations with me would either help to refine what I'm doing which is my ultimate goal is to continue to refine it or maybe it would help them to change things just enough that they aren't making their clients as sick as they're currently making them or to even maybe see the research in a different way or present their ideas in a different way 
Now, I realize that's being super naive because most people won't do that. Uh, there's a lot of uh, alpha dogging in that in the industry, and that a- includes female fitness trainers as well. I don't mean alpha dog just as in the male sense, but also across the board. Uh, but anyway, those are my thoughts. Reverse dieting, forget about the the idea of it and yes body ai will take care of that and put you on track to whatever your goal is as quickly as your body can achieve it and 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 that's the key you you want to try to do it as quickly as your body achieves it can achieve it that that makes me just want to touch on the topic of people promoting diets based off of one or two clients or exclusively clients who were extremely obese because one thing and it surprises me that this has never really been addressed clearly but fat cells in the body just as they can only absorb so much in a day that they're just enzymatically limited with how much new fat they can store in a day and carbohydrates, like fat cells do store carbohydrates. And more and more research is coming out supporting that. And, in that, and when they absorb carbohydrates, they're extremely rate limited on how fast they can convert those carbohydrates to fat. So we have a lot of rate limitations in how fast fat cells can fill up, which is one reason your body makes new ones as prolifically as it does in certain situations. So there's also the flip side. The fat cells can only release fat so fast. So there's a limit to how much fat you can lose in a day. And if you're obese, that you have no limit. You could just starve yourself and you will lose significant amounts of body fat and you will never be in a caloric deficit as far as your body's concerned because you have plenty of fat cells. You have so many of them. They can release enough fat for you to make up all of your energy needs while getting it from your fat mass now so people who work with the obese basically anything they do is going to help those people lose weight and it's going to help them lose weight quickly this is not any type of sign that you should work with somebody who's using this as their background experience because what they've done is learned nothing it is there's so much body fat on somebody who's obese that just about any method of weight loss is going to work and whatever extra theory they tack on top of it it's completely meaningless um so that's something to really keep in mind so if you're leaner if you're already leaner or you just have some central abdominal fat you will require more time simply because those fat cells just cannot release all the fat fast enough. There's just no way. So if you went into, say, a calorie deficit of 800 calories a day, if your body fat cannot supply that, then your body sees itself in a calorie deficit, and then you start to run into serious metabolic problems. And as you can guess, this is this is a technical problem there's you have to set up the equations to figure out what calorie deficit you can sustain and that calorie deficit that you can sustain changes daily 
this isn't a linear kind of thing. And this isn't where, well, you can just have an 800 calorie deficit for a couple months and it'll take care of it. It doesn't work that way. As you lose more body fat, especially if you're on the leaner side of things, you have to consume more calories because your body cannot provide those calories to you anymore. Uh, this is a really important concept and it was actually a difficult thing to do when particularly working with female clients who were in either figure competition or um, even female bodybuilders. It was difficult to work with them or fitness competition or bikini because as they lean down, they actually have to start eating more. And that that was psychologically difficult for most of my clients until they, they saw what happened. And that's the reason they never had any metabolic fallout after the competition as well. Um, most coaches today still just starve out their clients and then unfortunately in many instances supply them with drugs to try to mitigate some of the tissue, the lean tissue loss that's going to occur. And then those, those women, particularly women, have a massive metabolic fallout afterwards. And the problem is also during that leaning down period, they did a lot of damage to their mitochondria. So it becomes every cycle that they go through, it becomes harder and harder and harder for them to maintain a, a healthy physique at all. And I've met many figure and fitness competitors in their off season you would have no idea that they had ever been in shape. Like it, it it's phenomenal. It, it really is what they put themselves through, and every every year it's worse. Uh, so, you know, reverse dieting is one of the things that falls into that. He, if that if reverse dieting were real and had real health and body shape consequences, then female figure athletes would be in prime shape all year round, and they're just not unfortunately unfortunately for for them <laughs> so you have to uh pardon the cough you you have to have all of these things under consideration and so when you're creating a diet plan based on one piece of information or one client who was obese you're probably going to get it wrong for 99.9.9 percent of the population and that 99.9 percent that I just said like came out all garbled for some reason, but probably because I've been talking for almost four hours straight. But body AI takes all of that out of the arena. It It's just modeled on how the body works. It knows how the body works. It understands the differences that you might have from the starting model, and it defines you in the direction that will get you to whatever goal it is you're trying to get to first. And I'm not saying this as a plug for body AI or even a plug for myself. What I'm trying to do is differentiate how I worked on developing these ideas in the system as opposed to the opposite approach of the evidence base. Well, we have this evidence. Here's my ad hoc hypothesis to defend that evidence and boom, everybody should do this. I did not approach this from that direction. I approached it from the direction of I know nothing. When I started this, oh man, when I started this 26 years ago, 
that was the position I started in. Like I don't know, and I want to find out. And that is a very, very different position to start from than this idea seems to work. I saw it work. I can find some stuff to defend it. This is my, my dietary recommendation. That's very different. And to be honest, I don't know. I can't name anybody who's working under the same premise I am. I know some who say they're doing the science and they can quote a lot of research, but it's all been, it's all ad hoc, which means they accumulated the evidence to support their position rather than trying to synthesize all of the available evidence or as much as they possibly could to see what conclusions you could then reach and from those conclusions what diet does that lead to and that's a that's a difficult thing to do i'll be honest it's difficult in any field of science to do and that's why a lot of great scientific discoveries took massive amounts of people contributing to it in some way or another or just the right time in history that all the ideas necessary had been developed for somebody to see how they went together. And we're in that state now. So it's, it's really exciting to me to see all this chaos, believe it or not, around dietary recommendations and dietary ideas and people talking about genetic experiments in rats and saying, well, of course this is going to work in humans. Like all of this crazy confusion and everything is – it emphasizes the groundwork that's been laid so there's enough information now for us to step back and build up a complete science of health and that that's what i've i've been doing and you know this is kind of a rehash of things i've said on other parts but it just feels to me to be so important to make that point and also to explain why i'm not as denigrating towards others as I was, they're actually participating in the scientific process in the only way that you can without a scientific underpinning. And it takes a lot of time and it takes a a certain special situation for an individual to be in to do that work. And it's very hard work. It's very frustrating and in solo it's very hard to accomplish so i do understand why they don't go that approach it's much easier to do the reverse have an idea see it work accumulate some evidence to support it boom you're done uh you can just start making money at that point uh but that's that's not my my goal Uh, my goal is to try to lay a foundation that the future can build on and whether my name's attached to that or not does not matter to me. What matters to me is that we finally have a concise science that can be built on so that people can start getting healthy, get off of medications, stop worrying about all this minutia like food allergies and all this. I mean, it's all complete bullshit. Um, and just not worrying about food is one of the best stress reliefs I think there is. Think back to when you were a kid almost I never had an experience of stress that I can think of in my childhood until it was pointed out to me that I was fat 
you know, I never really had a concept of that. I never worried about food. I just ate what I wanted. It was good. I ate it. And it's taken decades for me to get back to the point of I don't worry about food. The way I eat now is so automatic and so ingrained in me. I just don't worry about my food. And it's, that has been a major release of stress over my life. And it has allowed me to really focus on other things like trying to solve the problem of the body. And I, I do see this as just a problem of the body. Um, so that rant is over. Let's go to the next question. Uh, can carbonite diet greatly improve someone with cardiomyopathy? The short answer is yes, it can. Uh, the longer answer is how long does it take? What does that look like? And those are medical questions that I, I really can't answer without putting myself in legal jeopardy. But what I can tell you is, and this was in one of the, I believe this was in part two, there was a discussion of mitochondria. Does mitochondria number or mitochondria size matter? And I brought up the point that only in heart disease after a heart attack do they look at those parameters for heart health. And it's usually done with a tissue biopsy. So by switching to a carbonate diet, you are switching your body to primarily fat burning, which will increase mitochondria number and at the same time reduces mitochondria size. So there's more of them, but each of them is a little bit smaller. That increases the sur surface area of the mitochondria and everything gets healthy. Like almost, no, I will say every modern d disease stems from the mitochondria. And that's what my new book maps out so that people can understand like what's going on at the mitochondria and how does that manifest itself into all these symptoms that we call diseases. Uh, being overweight, having excess body fat is a symptom. Alzheimer's is ultimately a symptom. Cancer is ultimately a symptom of one single problem. And so if, if you have any, literally any type of problem, going on a ketogenic diet will start to mitigate the problems that you have, the health problems that you have. Now, the importance of the carbonite is you cannot fully repair damaged mitochondria in tissue. Once they, they reach a certain level of damage, that damage is endemic across that, that cell and often across the entire tissue. The only way to fix that is for the mobilization of new satellite cells. When new satellite cells differentiate and become functioning cells, that is the only time they come with new, perfectly healthy mitochondria. Now, this poses a problem for ketogenic diets because without that, that continuous glucose, specifically glucose signaling with insulin, you turn off all those growth and differentiation processes. That's why the one study I know of that studied ketogenic, strict ketogenic diets and muscle gain, they scrapped ever publishing. And my guess is because I can tell you their results was their 
their population that they studied didn't gain any muscle. And that's because the ketogenic diet shuts off all the pathways for the differentiation and growth of satellite cells that allow muscle cells to get bigger. And this is very important. So if if you're in a disease state and you're older, resistance training in particular is one way to become healthier, to get brand new, healthy mitochondria working again. And again, this is impossible without having carbohydrates in the diet and having them in the diet appropriately. And so that's what carb night does. And the, the carbs themselves are very, and this is not a cheat day. To think of it as a cheat day or call it a cheat day is to just expose how ignorant you are. And I don't mean that in a denigrating way if you're a user. I mean that in people who try to promote these kind of diets and say, oh, it's your cheat day. It's not. It is an essential part of getting healthy again. And if your tissue is damaged, it, do, it does try to, to mobilize satellite cells to differentiate them to, to create new healthy cells. But you have to give it the signaling to do that, to allow that to happen. That's what the carb night does. It introduces glucose back into the system. And remember, glucose is biologically active. It's not just fuel. It actually activates the mTOR pathway which allows for new satellite cells to differentiate and grow. It's a very important process. So yes, carbonite can help a wide, huge array of health issues, uh, and especially any type of muscular-related health issues, like issues with the heart. I mean, it's just a muscle, and it actually shares a lot of commonality with skeletal muscle tissue as far as how it absorbs and uses nutrients and also how you can get it to repair itself by mobilizing new cells. So long answer to a short question. That seems to be my mode of operation tonight. Um, oh, This is the section where I lamented that nobody asked me about the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics. And let's see if there's any other lingering questions that I should address. Uh, there's a supplement conversation I had, and I'm sure sure Tim Tim Prince will listen to all these podcasts at some point. Uh, I just want everybody to know I wasn't. There was no harangue or animosity directed towards him whatsoever. He's actually been a great member of the community. He just was very, very adamant about asking about supplements and supplement testing. And I I understand why. And I could only answer him so clearly before. But now I I can be much more blunt about everything. And um, and, and I understand if if you have a problem with it, we can't test every batch, which I would understand if you have that problem then my advice would be even my new supplement company my advice would be do don't purchase and i won't take that as an affront to me or my work i will take that as an understanding of you knowing that there is a potential for some sort of quality issues to come from the manufacturers that i'm unaware of and i accept that and i accept that burden um that you you might not purchase for that reason uh, with superhuman, 
me knowing what I know, I would not purchase anything from that company right now. I would cancel all possible reorders. Um, but I'm in a position that you're not. And there also, I have some personal issues with the morals of who is currently operating things and the ethical standards that they operate under. So, you know, I'm coming from a different position there. All I can say is, you know, I, I know the last time I was able to check, supplements were above board. Um, at this moment, I cannot make those statements. Um, so do with that as you will. Um, that, that's as, as full of the story as I can provide. Um, and Brandon Jones is, uh, has a question. This was after the, I closed questions, but I could fill up a little more time. I'm finding it difficult to keep myself in a good mood be, uh, during the carbonite protocol. It feels to me like serotonin and dopamine levels are low. I, so again, in, in posing these questions that everybody does it, I do it as well. We, we tend to impart a lot of assumptions as knowledge into our questions uh, it, it's a common way that we communicate and here, here there's the assumption it feels to me like serotonin dopamine levels are low well like how do you know would be my first question because it, it's hard to answer a question like this without concrete information um, so have you taken any type of antidepressants or anything uh, that would increase levels of dopamine or would block um, dopamine or have you taken serotonin and it made a big difference? You know, the, these are things you would have to do to know for me to give you an appropriate answer. But it, it's a reasonable assumption. You could say, I think or I assume that this is a potential problem. And, and Brandon, to Brandon Jones, I am not... I'm not trying to single you out at all. Uh, it's just something we all do. Um, I'm just trying to make it very careful because of how I, how I can answer this question. So as soon as I reintroduce carbs at night, of course, I feel fine again. Uh, what do you suggest to keep serotonin levels high on CNS? Well, this is, this is a hard question because the question is why, if serotonin levels are low, if you know that's what it is, like why is that the case? What's going on? And it, it could be related to several issues, so it's hard for me to give one answer. If you're physically active enough, I don't know what your day, I just don't have all the kinds of information, obviously, to answer this question. So it's not cut and dry. And questions like these are never cut and dry. If somebody's giving you simple, quick answers, then you automatically know they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, if, you're, if your lifestyle is active enough, and it, this really is an issue for you, and you know at least carbohydrates take that edge away and you feel better, then you likely you know you could have a ripe banana every night and see how that goes alternatively you could try melatonin uh in in the evening see how that affects your mood the next day 
I often see that uh, to I often see melatonin supplementation. It it really kind of affects people's moods in the following day, especially on carbonite if they have mood issues. Um, but but this this I have to say is is actually a little bit rare. People usually have much better clarity and much better brain function when on carbonite. So this would make me suspect that there could be something wrong with the foods you're choosing. I don't know. Um, or you could be in a situation where you do have a lot of metabolic damage. Most people do. So it will take some time before you do start to feel feel normal and good. So the question is, you know, what's the best approach to deal with that? And I also don't know what your work is like. For me, I'm very high processing power mentally every day. So I cannot afford to have uh, down cognitive days right now. My processing power needs to be at 100%. So in this instance, I would be looking for ways to resolve the symptom like we talked about earlier. And the symptom whatever the underlying problem is is you're you don't have the clarity during the day that you're looking for and in that instance if i needed that clarity i wouldn't worry as much about other goals so in that case that's why i would do what i just recommended either try melatonin see if that helps um that's like the low level intervention the next step up would be the banana or some something like that something with some fructose and glucose to give your body a chance to rehabilitate potentially glycogen stores in the brain, but also in the liver. Uh, the fructose specifically recomps glycogen in the liver, unless you're really, really sick. Uh, if you're like 600 pounds overweight, then glucose does other things. But to, to recomp both in the liver, and then if you're doing this before bed, it will help speed up the process of replenishing glycogen stores in the brain, which your brain may still be highly reliant upon. And that will mitigate, it could potentially mitigate your problem without introducing any health or diet problems uh, down the line. So that's what I would recommend if focus is, is really important to your day or just your enjoyment of the day. I, that too, I completely understand. Uh, so that's where I would start, and that's what I would attempt to do without knowing more information. Uh, Emily asked if people are going to see me in the next book. Uh, I really don't want anybody to see me right now. Just this this last year has taken an amazing toll on my body, uh, and I'm I'm not fat. Actually, things happen like they should. I was I lost my appetite and was really unable to eat to support my mass and my. My mass dissipated, uh, so I'm I'm probably smaller now that I've been in a long time. Um, but so now the next challenge is I've gotten my I've got my mobility back with my leg. I've finally gotten my health back, the DVT subsiding. Now the next challenge is to get my body back, um, and so the, these are stages that I have to go through at the moment. But yeah, um, I'm sure I will be putting pictures of myself. And I plan to use body AI to recomp as quickly as possible. So I'll probably document that process, upload all my photos into the system like everybody else I assume will be doing. And then I'll have a visual record 
and a record of what happened, you know, all the data that goes with it through body AI so that I can show to people how the system does work and can work and how it can work in numerous situations. Like recomping muscle mass is a very different dietary scenario than say trying to lose body fat or recomping muscle mass is also different than trying to grow new muscle mass. These are different things. You have different, different rates of absorption. Just like if you have extra fat cells because you were obese at one time, you can absorb excess nutrients faster, which means you can get fatter faster than you ever could have previous to that. Well, if you had massive amounts of muscle previously, then the what's changed in the muscle is not necessarily the number of muscle fibers because that doesn't change they get bigger instead but you have more nuclei per muscle cell than you previously did and that's the memory effect and one reason for that is the more nuclei per cell that you have the faster the cell can incorporate new protein because there, there's more machinery there to do it is basically what happens so you can recomp much faster and that changes your diet parameters pretty significantly just like if you were obese and you had different types of goals like you have to know that the system has to know that you were once obese because it has to be much tighter on its constraints to make sure that you don't store excess calories easily so yes pictures of me soon this year hopefully this this year will be the year of great things or so i'm predicting assuming i don't tear another muscle uh sultan uh, these are late questions but i've got some extra time i've got 15 minutes before i cut this off so uh, i talked about how milk raises insulin index when mixed with other foods What's the best type of food to add for a great insulin response? Fat-free whole milk, or does the type of milk not matter here? Uh, Low-fat milk, so 2% milk, 1% milk, skim, skim milk, and they'll, they'll all help to increase the insulin response. Uh, really, there, there's few times when you want huge, massive insulin responses. Post-workout can have some benefit. Uh, and the best way to achieve that is with leucine and whey isolate proteins. Um, There's massive insulin spikes there, and you can add a little bit of glucose even if you're on, if you're trying to be on carbonate or carb backloading. Obviously, it works. The, that's going to be the most massive insulin spike you can achieve. Um, making sure you don't well, and this is a loaded question because then you could also take caffeine 15 minutes before you do one of these these loads like post-workout shake or something like that and you'll get a big even bigger insulin response the problem is in that situation with the caffeine present you could go into hypoglycemia so just focusing on like what the biggest insulin response possible is not the right goal that you should be having you should just be focused on getting the right food in the right scenario and then everything else takes care of itself as it should your body's not stupid the problem is we get in the way of its functioning with our diet 
And that's what I'm trying to eliminate. So I wouldn't focus so much. I need to achieve the biggest insulin spike possible. The, what you want to do is eat the appropriate food at the appropriate time. And then all of the responses that happen thereafter will be the appropriate responses. Uh, so like carb shock, I formulated it. So not only so you get a bigger insulin response, but you can absorb the protein quicker. And this has an effect of not only slowing down breakdown rates a little bit, which is important, but more importantly, it pushes a massive amount of protein into your storage tank, into the splachnic bed, so that it, it can then release it appropriately for maximum muscle growth as you get into the maximum synthesis regime, which is going to occur five hours later. So that all has a very specific effect in that moment. Now, when you're using Carbonite for health and it's once a week, you just need a big insulin rise. You don't need it to spike as high as possible. A good high insulin spike is preferred if you're only going to have one meal because that is going to trigger a good growth potential for cellular repair to help repair all the damage that you did for the years previous. Uh, so really try to look at this from a different perspective. It's like You're not trying to get the biggest insulin spike possible. You're trying to get the perfect food arrangement possible at the right time. Um, so you can use milk for that if you want, whatever. I, I would focus more on the nutrition. Um, Another one from Sultan. Hey, Kiefer, what if my work Monday through Friday is sedentary, but then my work on the weekend is more physically demanding where I'm working in retail on my feet and moving more? How do I put that in the software since there seems to be no option to add more than one type of work? I... You that That is a good point. You can add more than one type of work period. And I know originally I wanted you to be able to specify your activity in each work period. Um, so let me go back. I have to look into the system and see if that's buried somewhere in options that's not obvious. Or we had to put that on hold while we try to get everything fixed. Um, so I'll get back to you on that, Sultan. Um, few more minutes here. Uh, when I enter my meals into the, these are all software re re, uh, related questions. It seems, uh, when I enter my meals in the software in regards to meat, uh, does it go off of raw weight or cooked weight? It has options for that. So you can select either raw or if it's already cooked. Um, and I believe that is the end of the question. So, I hope I answered everybody's questions. Uh, this was, I, these are totally unedited. So pretty much everything happened. Everything you hear is what happened while I was recording these, except for I did pause it at one point when I needed to clear my throat because I didn't want everybody to go deaf as that came across the, the audio stream. Uh, so that's roughly four hours of answering questions and random rants. I hope everybody is able to get at least something 
out of these past four hours. I really appreciate all the questions. Uh, they're, they're all good questions. And e even if I dissected your question or the way you asked it, um, I, I did that for a reason. I did not do that to denigrate anybody. Uh, every question is fair game, I think. And if, if I have a problem with it, I should explain why I have a problem with the question. I just want to make it clear on like how we even think about things that we're proposing. So if you ask a question and you automatically are assuming the cause in your question, then you, you may need to stop for a second and think, okay, is that the only possible cause? And do I know for sure? Because if nothing else, it will help you refine the question or it will help you to include that in the question. Um, so you could alter it to say, well, this is happening. How do I mitigate that too? This is what I'm experiencing. As far as I can tell, this is one possible scenario. How would you go about assessing this and then fixing it? And it, it gives everybody more information and it gives you practice, which I think everybody needs, including myself. It gives you the practice of dissecting your own ideas internally before they become external uh, that's clearly a big problem in communication today in this in the world of social networks and it, it helps everybody across the board uh, including me being able to answer your question in a way that then helps you uh, so Keep all this in mind uh, for future question and answer sessions. Uh, we'll see how the response is on these to see if I do something like this again. I would love to do a call-in show. I think that would be really fun. And uh, I, you know, I like the I love having the opportunity to answer your questions. It, I, it, it's important to me to be able to address these questions, but it's even more exciting to me that you have these questions and that you're analyzing these things. And even if some questions, which surprisingly there weren't, there weren't many, but even questions criticizing my work or my assumptions, like I, I very highly value those. In the past, those questions forced me to rethink some of the research that I had accumulated my answer from. And it made me go back and dig deeper. So I really do appreciate those. I don't see any of them as in any way insulting, even if sometimes the question are meant to be insulting. Often they, they might bring up a, a gem of wis wisdom that's worth commenting on, at the very least pointing out how they were being a jackass while asking the question, which I, I have done to people, and then answer their question because it, it wasn't a bad question, but they were also being an asshole while asking it. Uh, so that's it for this. Uh, there will be more podcasts in the, the very short-term future. Um, again, I'm, I'm back in the mode of having a little bit of free time here and there. I, I took a lot of extra time on this because I wanted to make sure I got to everybody's question that I could. Um, but there'll be podcasts in the future pretty soon. I have a little bit more spare time or at the very least, I need to take time away from the heavy cerebral work. And a podcast is, is a good way to do that. I don't have to think too hard. I can just think clearly and structurally, uh, which my brain seems to do naturally, which I'm very happy that it does. And um, 
be able to converse with you more often. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Especially a huge thanks to everybody who listens to all four hours of this content. Uh, this is a massive amount of content, not all of which was relevant to health or the questions. I did rant a few times, but I think the rants help to expose things that are at least worth considering, uh, even if they're outside the realm of health. I, I think they're important considerations in general. So thanks, everybody. Thanks for your questions. I hope that this helped.